if you need food, you deserve access to healthy food, to food of your choosing, whether or not you are like making enough money to buy it. That should not be a condition of who has access to food and who doesn't. Sprouting Conversations. This is your podcast for youth and by youth where we talk about all things food related. In this episode, we're chatting with Alora from Community Food Support where we focus on food waste while also talking about community care and what that looks like in our communities. If this is a topic of interest for you, then please keep listening. You can also expect to hear more of Alora's voice because Alora is now working with us, so I'm very excited to announce that. And without further ado, let's sprout some conversation. Awesome. Well, can you start by introducing yourself? Yeah. Uh, so my name is Alora. Um, I use she or they pronouns. Um, I'm a settler. Uh, I have Dutch, Irish, British ancestry. And I spent most of my life uh, living on Treaty 1 territory in what's called Winnipeg. But I've now lived on Lekwungen territory for uh, just four years almost. Awesome. Thank you. And my next question for you is kind of my fun one, and that's what food are you craving right now? I'm always I'm always craving chocolate mm-hmm. and um, crunchy chocolate. And I don't buy it very much, and when I do, I try to ration it for myself, which I never do a great job of, but I think that's like my number one craving or ice cream, salted caramel ice cream. Mhm. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, what, what do you mean by crunchy chocolate? Like with like nuts in it or? Um, nuts are like one aspect that could could add the crunch. But like, I don't actually even know. Like there's just one chocolate bar I get. It's just crunch. It's just called like crunchy milk chocolate or something. I think they put like, they can put like rice kind of crunchy stuff in it. You oh, know? yeah. Yeah. I actually prefer crunchy when there's not nuts. Mm-hmm. I totally forgot about those little rice chocolates. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like nothing except uh, adds crunch. Like it doesn't add anything else. <laughs> totally. Oh, that's awesome. Awesome. And my next question for you is what is your relationship with food right now? And that can really mean anything for you. Like what is today or like throughout your life? What has that looked like? It just helps give the mm-hmm. listener a better idea of what you're coming to this conversation with. Sure. Yeah, I guess like my relationship to food has probably changed a lot over the past four years. And I don't think like for a lot of my life, it was something that I actively really thought about when I was growing up. And like even uh, in high school and stuff, I sort of would just eat and didn't really give too much thought to like what I was eating and why and what that meant. But I think like a lot of my relationship with food has been more formed by like a relationship with the food system as a whole rather than maybe like the specific foods I eat on a daily basis. Because when I think about it, um, a lot of the work that I've done and, and things that I've 
I care about is like about food waste and, and access. Um, so I've actually like, I eat a lot of food that other people maybe would not love to eat food that's sort of like bruised or like has moldy bits that I cut off is past the best before date so like when I think about a relationship to food I think uh I don't exactly have like this beautifully plated like all organic super aesthetic food all the time but I think I'm more interested in like challenging why food is being wasted and like thinking about why we don't eat things and why we do eat certain things and I think that's shaped a lot of my relationship with food over the past couple years Mm -hmm. yeah no that's so well said and I'm really glad you answered that the way you did because it's so important to note that our relationship with food doesn't just have to be on the eating portion of it. Like there's so many different aspects of our food system and some people feel more connected with the growing like pre-production, whereas other people are more invested in like food waste and understanding where the food goes. So I think that's really awesome that you brought that forward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, a big reason why I'm happy to have you on this episode is to talk about your work within community food support. So I'm hoping that you can speak a little bit to that and what that work is and how it started. Yeah, so I guess uh, I'll start with what community food support is. So we're basically a group in Victoria. We're, we're not like a official organization or nonprofit or anything. We're just like a group of, of people that uh, work basically to distribute food a lot of a lot of which would otherwise be wasted to anyone really who's having difficulties accessing food so like the main goal is just get food to people who need support getting food and like I can get into a little bit more how that works maybe I'll just talk a little bit about how it started and then that'll phase into sort of how it's working now but I've been thinking about things like this for quite a while and I was talking before about how I eat a lot of like imperfect um, food and like when I say that I kind of have specifically uh, I'm talking about like dumpster diving too so I've spent quite a bit of time dumpster diving and um, I could talk about dumpster diving like (laughs) probably forever Mm. there's so much to say about it but like to keep it short I was like very intimately aware, I guess, of of how much food is wasted uh, in the city and like at each store and like how much perfectly edible food uh, just gets thrown out and like eating from the dumpster, just for some context, I feel like I have to uh, let people know, like, isn't this gross thing where it's like disgusting, like food and you're like trying to salvage you know, what you can. It's like more like you go in there and it's sometimes beautiful, beautiful produce. And like, sometimes you can tell like why it got thrown out bruising, or maybe it's slightly wilted or something. A lot of the times it just seems like completely illogical why it's in there. And I have no idea really at all. But yeah, I guess that's sort of like the foundation from from my standpoint of why I started getting into this and before like we sort of existed as like a collective for community food support I would always be trying to like recover food from the dumpster and then like distribute it to friends that I I knew needed help getting food but like my capacity by myself to do this was obviously just like a lot more limited as one person Mm -hmm. yeah so I think like 
community food support in that way is knowing how much food is wasted, we're able to then redistribute it on a larger scale through like a collective effort. And actually the cool part, I should clarify that we don't distribute food from the dumpster. It's kind of sounding like that, but we actually get donations from stores for a lot of things that maybe would end up being thrown out later had we not taken it. So we'll get things that like they pull out of the store because of whatever reason, like it's close to its best before date, it's bruised, it maybe has like a label that's falling off, like it can be anything like a dented peanut butter jar, like anything like that. Mm -hmm. Stores don't want to sell it, they need everything out there to be perfect. So then we'll get a lot of that stuff via donation. And we're super lucky to have quite a few stores that give us donations like this once a week. And then we sort all that into hampers and then drivers actually come and deliver those out into the community. So that's kind of like the base um, of what we're doing right now. Awesome. Yeah, I'm curious too about um, how the process was to get people involved. Like, was it hard to find people who were interested in volunteering with it? Or was it just easy and you already had that community that people wanted to engage and give the support to each other? Yeah, I think like, I mean, it was weird because we started like right at the beginning of COVID. Right. So like Mm -hmm. we have a pretty limited number of people that come in and like sort the food and like pack all the hampers. So like we were doing it all from one household during COVID and I was lucky enough to know some pretty large households (laughs) with a lot of people in them. Um, So that we weren't like mixing a bunch of bubbles of people. But honestly, for the most part, it's been like we've had more than enough people who want to be involved. Like, I think the harder part is like keeping people engaged long term. But like so many folks have wanted to come out and sort like we never have issues finding enough people to come pack the hampers. Driving, we usually have more than enough folks too. lots of people I think were like pretty keen to plug into this and it's it's been really cool actually um because it started with with maybe mostly people that I knew personally that I sort of reached out to I wasn't involved for the month of September because I was away and I came back and now there's like a lot of people helping with the behind the scenes admin work with driving that I like have never met before which is actually really cool because I just think it's like bringing more people in who maybe haven't done this work or are like new to this Mm -hmm. that are now a part of it which is awesome Mm -hmm. awesome that's really good to hear that's really nice to know that you could like step back and still seeing how much it can grow is really really awesome Mm -hmm. great yeah lately I've been seeing a really great shift in how we see care as a whole and like moving away from this idea of self-care to community care which isn't a brand new idea but I've been seeing a big shift happen on a larger scale. And I think that's something that really drew me into the work that you're doing here. And so I just wanted to ask, like, what is community care for you? And how is that centered in the work that you're doing through community food support? For food support, I mean, we're sort of trying to engage in the community care in terms of mutual aid. And and I think I was saying before, like when I was trying to just redistribute food when it was just me like my capacity was so much smaller it's just like me on my bike with like a box of food Mm -hmm. Um, and like wasn't could never get that far Mm -hmm. but we've sent out like 1500 hampers I think since April so that's like a decent amount 
That's amazing. It does take like a lot of of organization, but for me, I feel like it, yeah, it's like a way that we found to be able to support people in the community and like work towards building like stronger and more autonomous communities. And I think that sort of like organizing and community care for me is like very distinct from like charity or like top down aid. Mm -hmm. And like, for me, it's important for those things to be like a collective effort and like sustainable over time. And it's actually really cool because a lot of folks who were receiving the hampers come out and help make the hampers and pack them or drive them. So there's like, it's not like there's just people who make them and people who receive them. It's like a complete mash of those two things together folks can come out and like pack themselves a hamper and and pack other people's hampers at the same time so for me that's cool because a lot of different people are getting to know each other there's like a real reciprocal element of it Mm -hmm. totally that's really great to hear yeah and I think that's like truly what the community side is right like building that relationship rather than just something that you're giving you know not creating that hierarchical type way of working with people. The other thing that really stood out to me within the work that you're doing and then the other groups that have come out of COVID is how accessible it is and low barrier. Like the one thing that I really noticed within community food support is that there's not really a big form that you need. Like there is a form, but it's not this crazy inaccessible form where you need to write down how much money you make every two weeks and write down like why you deserve it. It's just a given that if you are a part of a community, you deserve this. And if you're struggling, we're not going to question that. And that's something that I really, really recognized right away. Totally. Yeah. I actually wanted to talk about that too, because I feel like a, a great thing about being sort of like an autonomous group that's not tied to like whatever organization or or nonprofit like there's challenges to that like it's harder to get funding it's harder to find space like there's lots of challenges but a really great thing is that we get to decide everything as a group and yeah one thing from the beginning that we were really set on is we wanted it to be as like low barrier as possible and to get a hamper right now there's a google form I would guess it takes like less than three minutes to fill out. It's really fast. Like we, we take as minimal information really as possible. We take like no information on like, why do you need this? How much money do you make? Any sort of things like that. And like a lot of uh, programs do collect that information. Mm-hmm. The idea that people need to prove that they need the support before they can access it. And then like creating hierarchies of like, who most needs this and totally. making it hard, honestly, for people to access that. And like in terms of accessibility too, like the delivery is something that is important to us. So it's mm-hmm. great that we have so many people that come out and drive every week because I think like the access to this uh, also is like the delivery option is like really important to people. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And that's definitely not something that a lot of different groups that do this type of food delivery or food um, giving away doesn't it doesn't always have that option right and like that's such a huge barrier for people so that's that's really important for sure Mm -hmm. and then the other thing that I noticed too that I really really enjoy is seeing that it has that option for dietary restrictions you know like I find that a lot of different groups don't give that choice And that's another thing that like really stood out to me was building that autonomy and recognizing that this isn't 
something that we're just going to give you and hope that you like it. No, we're going to make it custom for what you actually need and what you would like. Yeah, totally. I mean, so many people are gluten-free or or dairy-free or vegan. So we just have like a, we attach streamers to the bags on different colors. Like it's honestly not that hard to accommodate that. But yeah, it's definitely Mm -hmm. good that we're able to do that. Mm -hmm, For sure. Awesome. Yeah. And it sounds like you have been very involved in looking at the food waste processes in Victoria for a while. And so I just was curious if you could talk a little bit about like what food waste is and what it looks like here in Victoria through your experiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, like, I guess food waste is sort of just like exactly what it sounds like wasted food. But like, Mm -hmm. I think for me, like it sounds simple, but, um, I would guess that a lot of of people don't understand like exactly to what degree that this is actually happening. Because I think people, I would assume that people think about food waste more in terms of individuals throwing out food, like in a household level. But it happens really like at all points of the supply chain. So a lot of food doesn't even make it to market. It doesn't even make it into the transport trucks because it's like so quickly deemed imperfect or it's not the right size, like too short of carrots or like too small of cucumbers uh, or it's like slightly bruised or like it's discolored, anything like that. Like so much food is not even making it into the stores. And then there's waste on a grocery store level, which is probably like what I... I know the most about. Um, So like when you walk into the store and you're looking at the shelves and you're looking at like 200 like Granny Smith apples that are all the exact same size and and all look the same, like there is a huge price that's being paid for that. That's all the food that's not making it out there. And like all the food that gets bruised while in store or goes a little bit soft while in store and it's just getting like chucked out behind the scenes. And like, I don't want to, make it sound like every grocery store is necessarily doing this because there's actually like a lot of of really good ways to to limit food waste at every at every point in the supply chain but again like the what I know the most about is in stores and like um certain stores do a maybe a, a lot better of a job trying to eliminate food waste um and that can look like a lot of different things like have you seen in a lot of stores now they have the like shelves with like really discounted stuff too Mm-hmm. definitely yeah like yeah more recently yeah totally I think they've been popping up more too and like it's a small thing but like I'll buy discounted food all the time I don't mind if it's mm-hmm. you know whatever a little bit imperfect but things like that like having good systems to like go- be like going through the food and sorting through okay what is gonna go bad what is already like going bad? What needs to get sold soon? What needs to get donated or before it goes bad in store? But I find like just a lot of the time, yeah, that sort of process just like isn't happening as fast or like as effectively as it could be. And then that's leading to a lot of waste. And I think too, like something that I find is that there's a big it it feels like there's a big disconnect between retail so like stores and grocery stores and where the food is sold and then like organizations that would accept food donations because it it feels ridiculous how much food you can find uh being wasted and then 
how many organizations you could talk to that tell you that they need food or they would accept food donations. It's not like there's not a need for it. So I think, yeah, for me, like, there's like a missing link, it feels like, and it's just, there hasn't been the connections or effort made to like be making sure that that food is getting to where it needs to go before it's gone too bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really well said. Yeah, I really like what you said too about how a lot of people see it as like the individual problem only at the consumer level. And you're so right that there's so many different missing links on the way there. And that's just such like a small part of the problem when there's so much other areas within the supply chain that are having these issues around food waste before it even gets to the store. Yeah, totally. And I feel Mm -hmm. like too, like there's a reason that they will focus on like household food waste because Mm -hmm. I mean, it's easier for, for big corporations and stores if it seems like it's an individual problem, if they're not blamed, if these giant giant corporations that control so much of the food system get to escape blame for the like colossal amounts of food that are wasted through those through those steps of transportation and like everything that happens before it gets to your house essentially and then like yeah a lot of households do waste a lot of food and you know there's a lot of things you can do to sort of improve food waste in your house But I think, yeah, like a focus on household food waste is sort of a tactic that's used to to blame individuals for like a problem that capitalism caused and that a couple huge corporations are sort of like the backbone of that problem. It's definitely Mm -hmm. like a tactic of of liberalism and and capitalism, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Totally shifts the blame. 100 percent. Yeah. Okay. So building on that then, on a positive note, um, what to you, what does food reclamation mean? Hmm. Yeah, that's a, uh, a good question. Like I'm hesitant to answer that. I don't, I definitely don't have like a be all end all answer. I think for, for community food support, it's hard because it's been great having access to all this food that comes through by donation from these stores, but we're still dependent on on these donations from grocery stores, which is complicated because I feel like we're still sort of like at the mercy of the like supply chain. You know, it's not like we're growing this food in our backyard and distributing it which would be awesome and maybe we should try to <laughs> do something like that. But I think like for me like it feels important knowing that the food that we're getting donated that a lot of it would be wasted. Like I think it's yeah, it it feels good knowing that we've sort of like rescued that food from waste. And I don't know if that constitutes reclamation but yeah I think it's it feels good as someone who like has seen how much food ends up in the dumpster knowing that we've sort of like intercepted that chain and like taken it and gotten it to people who needed it before that could happen Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah I find that when I ask questions like this I have a different answer every time because there's so many different ways that we can interpret what food reclamation is, and there really is no right or wrong answer for that. Mm-hmm. Totally. 
And in our conversation that we had before this podcast, you were talking a lot about the desire to decommodify food. And I'm sure that that term and that language is new for a lot of people. So I'd love if you can speak a little bit about what that means. Yeah. So I guess like decommodify, I'm going to probably like botch this explanation, but I guess right now food is a commodity. So it's something that you have to pay money for and it's it's something that, yeah, you have to be able to afford to access it. And it is something that's like pretty much controlled by by a capitalist system. So to decommodify something would be for it to no longer be a commodity. So something that you didn't need money to access and that um, ideally would be accessible to anyone regardless of, of how much money they had. So that's for me, I guess, like a really simple explanation of what decommodifying means. And yeah, I guess like that's something that we're kind of doing through food support. And I think that ties into what you were talking about earlier with the fact that we have like a really simple form where you just like say that you need um, support accessing food and then we just send it to you with like no questions asked. Because I think for some people like that is like a really new and sort of weird concept. The idea that it's just like, oh, you need support accessing this. We will just give it to you. No questions asked. If you need food, like you deserve access to healthy food, to like food of your choosing, um, whether or not you are like making enough money to buy it. That should not be a condition of, of who has access to food and who doesn't. It should be accessible to everyone, like regardless of what kind of job they have or how much money they make. Those things should not be a barrier. So I guess, yeah, we're sort of doing that in like a, a really small way. Mm, I You totally didn't botch that. That was perfectly <laughs> said. <laughs> yeah, something along these lines I've been thinking a lot about recently is like the, op- for me at least, the opposite of food as a commodity is food as love and the more I get more in touch with my communities and my family it's so crazy how food is not crazy at all but just seeing how abundant it can be within our relationships and how exchange and trading like I'll trade a lot of my garden produce for like fish and stuff like that and having that relationship with it makes you want to give it away and you give it to the people you love and how deeply tied decommodifying food is with community for me is something that I find really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good insight too. I actually grew my own garden for the first time this summer and like I mostly grew greens and some tomatoes mm-hmm. and some some peas too just like easy things to start me off but I had so much kale like I had more kale than one person could ever 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 eat so I was giving out (laughs) kale to like everyone I knew and like people were trading me I got some jam in exchange for the kale I got some potatoes like it was amazing and like yeah it just feels so it does feel like really really different than going into the store and just buying what food you want that day it feels mm-hmm. yeah a lot more involved totally yeah I've been um lately my garden hasn't been as abundant so I've been exchanging um helping my dad can fish 
for fish. And it, it's just beautiful being involved in like that process and seeing how much differently I approach actually eating rather than if I just go to the store and buy dinner for that day. I'm just like, you know, shoving it down before studying for school or something. Whereas now I'm like, oh my goodness, this fish, I'm so excited planning what to eat with it, planning how I'm going to like actually spend time cooking, what I can be paired, like saving it for a day when I feel down, you know, like it's just, Mm -hmm. it's totally different from when I would just go to a grocery store and buy food. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like, when I think about what community food support is doing, it's interesting because I mean, we do get some donations from places like Topsoil and then the Campus Community Garden was previously donating quite a lot of produce to us as well. Um, But like a lot of the stuff we get, like it's not sort of what I was saying at the beginning, like it's maybe not the like beautiful, like organic local food. That's not really what we do. It would be great, you know, if everyone could have access to like fresh locally grown produce, like that would be wonderful. But yeah, what we what we distribute isn't always like that. It's it's maybe like produce that is more like the rejects of capitalism. I think within community food support that I really resonate within like this idea of loving food is had I if I were to get a box delivered to my house, it feels different because I know all the people that were involved in that process and put love in it. And like I'd be like, wow, someone brought this just for me and then I'm more connected with it. Mm-hmm. So having that community aspect, whereas no, it may not be the most quote unquote beautiful, perfect thing in the grocery store. For me, it would feel that way because of all the people that made that happen for me. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm just actually reading something that one of the folks that helped start up community food support wrote for us just about the kind of food that we distribute. And the the quote that she wrote was, the belief amongst our community is that food should not be wasted and the harm of pristine food quality expectation needs to be addressed in the pursuit of an equitable and just food system. So I think that's kind of what I was trying to say is that like we're sort of addressing the standards and expectations of perfect food that in turn cause like a colossal amount of of waste. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's a perfectly said quote. (laughs) And so building on that, then have you seen a shift in how Um, our community sees food and have you seen the people that are like utilizing community food support start to decommodify their food like how has that been responded yeah I guess like I mean there are lots of folks who have been receiving these hampers for like quite a while and like honestly my hope is that if anything that it just normalizes to them the idea that they should have reliable access to healthy food and like that for for folks who are receiving it that it like provides them with this service and and sort of like plants the idea in their head yeah that they like that this could be normal that this that free food could be something that everyone has access to and that honestly just like normalizing the idea that food can be like no strings attached, that it can be something that's decommodified in our communities and and something that we can support our 
other community members and like ensure that it's something that everyone has access to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that normalization piece and just letting people know that they deserve access to it. You know, I think that's huge. And a lot of people like within those barriers with it, like how, how do you qualify for this program is often the language used. Whereas this, it really is like, no, you deserve food. You deserve access to it. And that normalization piece is so important, I think, for so many young people. Totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it like, it removes some of the like stigma associated with food banks. Like not that there, there definitely shouldn't Mm -hmm. be any, you know, there's no shame in, in needing support and, in and accessing resources. But I think there is shame around like food banks and and any sort of program like capitalism tells us that if you're not making enough money to like provide for yourself that you failed at something when there's Mm -hmm. like a thousand reasons why someone doesn't have enough money to be able to afford things that are basic human rights and I think that that like shame and stigma around some of those services like I hope that yeah, the way that community food support is set up has sort of broken down some of those barriers and like really like made it easy for people, not just like physically easy to like fill out a form, but like to be able to like ask for this support and receive it, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Changing the way we see our you know, food in general and changing the way we ask, changing the way we feel comfortable asking, sorry, mm-hmm. is really, really, really big. Great. Yeah. And then building on that too and how people are responding to it, I know that a lot of the food that you are given is expired, right? Yeah, expired or like on its expiry date. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm just curious, have you had any what are the types of responses that you're getting about that? How are people, like, are people asking questions about that? Are you getting negative responses, positive? Um, yeah, we've had a mix. Uh, at the beginning, we had a couple negative responses. And, like, it's not like we give out anything. <laughs> like, we do have a vetting <laughs> system. Like, sometimes some things slip through. Like, I'm sure we've sent out more than a a few couple bags of like spinach that were a little slimy at the bottom. Things happen, but in general, we basically communicate as a group when we're sorting through the hampers and we'll say like, okay, if you see something that you would never eat, put it in this box. And then we kind of have a reject Mm -hmm. box. And like, sometimes I'll take things home from the reject box (laughs) and salvage them. Mm -hmm. But we try not to send out things that are like, look gross or like have the possibility of making people sick you know we're usually pretty on top of it but our standards of like what is good to go out and what's not is maybe different than what everyone else's is um so yeah at first we didn't really have anything on our like form or on our site like about what we gave out we just like said we were giving out um free food And then after a couple people maybe were a little bit surprised with a few of the items they got, we now have like a more comprehensive like thing written out in the form that explains that a lot of the food is rescued, that from our experience, like we know that a lot of best before and expiration dates 
uh, are like not indicators of the like quality of the food or the safety of the food. And actually a lot of the time when we send out receipt emails to people like your hamper has been delivered, I will like send a reminder text in it being like, as per usual, we have sent out like yogurt that is a few days past its best before. And then I'll actually sometimes link to a government website just because I think I can say to people, this yogurt is still good. Like I personally have eaten yogurt that has been a month gone and it tastes the exact same. I don't expect everyone to do that, but like a couple days past yogurt is like, I would say I'd be pretty confident in saying 98% of the time is perfectly good. So I'll sometimes link, like there's a bunch of information online if folks do research on like what best before dates and expiration dates actually mean. Like usually it's just a guarantee that it's going to be good within that time. And it's not saying it is going to be bad outside that time. And it's definitely not an indicator of safety. And like, you can read about that on like, the Government of Canada website. Um, There's quite a bit of information that actually like, disproves a lot of fears that people have about what constitutes um, edible food or not. So I think like, in that way, I'm kind of hoping too that we've sort of like changed people's ideas about what food is good to eat and what is not. And, like, one thing that I, I also, like, think about is that, like, even though we're giving out a lot of food that's, yeah, like, how we've talked about at its best before date or imperfect, it's not because the people receiving these hampers, like, don't deserve the freshest farm-grown local food. And we've had a lot of opportunities to give out really great stuff, like I was saying, from the garden and from topsoil. But I do hope that for folks who are receiving these hampers that they've been able to maybe like expand their understanding of, yeah, like of the food we eat and our expectations around it. Because I think for a lot of us that are doing this work, it's really normalized to be eating food that's three days, four days past its its best before date. But for a lot of people, like that concept is like completely foreign and it's not something they would have previously considered doing. And then I guess on the other hand, we've had a lot of folks who think it's great. Folks who like have been eating food like this for a while, like have been dumpster diving before and are just like stoked on the fact that we're like saving all this food from the waste stream. So I think we've had like mixed reactions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really awesome, too, that you're linking, like, these government uh, <laughs> websites, too. Like, I think that that's only something that I've learned recently, that that is actually something that's being recognized on, like, a government level type thing, you know? And I think that that's a way to bring so many people into this. They're like, oh, okay, like, this is the government saying this, so maybe I should reconsider, which is interesting in itself. But I think that, yeah, pulling that in can be really, really helpful to like reach a larger audience totally yeah and I wish like I I'm not a fan of (laughs) having to like resort to like okay the government says this so yeah (laughs) but I mean like there's a ton of stuff on the internet about it and I think like for me I sort of learned from experience that our like expectations around food based on the dates on it are are pretty like arbitrary but yeah, like it's pretty well recognized for for people uh, who want to do the research. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. Wow. We covered so much variety of things in this conversation. And so I'm hoping that maybe if you have a few things that you want the listener to take from this conversation, what would that be? Mm. Just like one or two things. Like if they remember, if they blank on everything else, you want them to remember this. Interesting. Um, it's a good question. Mm. I mean, one thing I, I could talk about was just like different ways, like the ways we can support folks in our community and accessing food. And I think like community food support is like one way of doing that. And it's like a more structured and like larger collective effort in terms of like supporting folks and accessing food. But I think that like for anyone that would be listening to this, like there are so many different ways that you can help out with each of your friends, neighbors, like community, anyone who needs help accessing food, like checking in with folks when you go to the grocery store, like asking uh, if they have enough food or if you would like, if they would like for you to pick anything up for them, like when you make a soup or like make a big meal, like offering portions to folks that you know that might need support with that. I was really excited this year because I know my neighbors across the street, which is like a first. It's so weird mm-hmm. living in all these houses so close together and, and not knowing people. But I kind of know my neighbors across the street. So like I would go and bring them um, greens that I grew in my garden and just like sharing food and meals with them like that has been really cool. So I think like the a takeaway that I would suggest is just like thinking about different ways that can be like very small or like a bigger organized effort to increase people's access to food and like ensure that people have um like food or or really any resources that they need Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and I think that's so important too to know that a lot of these ways to do this it really doesn't take any effort or much extra effort on your part. It can really just doing be doing like double of what you're already making or just simple things that you can include in your daily life that can find a way to fit into your schedule. You know, like it doesn't have to be creating this large um, project or group or joining it every week. But there, yeah, like you say, it could just be giving a meal to your neighbor or asking people if they need extra things from the grocery store. I think that that's really important. Totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even just like checking in with people and letting them know that if they ever do, like if they ever are at a point where they need support accessing things that you're someone they can come to about that. Mm -hmm. I think that it's it's not normalized because we're, we're taught to look out for ourselves and like capitalism and, and colonialism have really like, yeah solidified the idea that we're like out here working to take care of ourselves to feed ourselves and like just sort of undoing some of that and learning how to look out for for other people can be really important mm-hmm. yeah that's so important looking at prevention rather than just when people are in crisis trying to reach out totally perfect okay and this last question is by far my favorite one that I've asked people and I've gotten the most beautiful response out of it um I'm curious if it's a magical one if you had a magic wand for one day and you could just change the whole way that our food's future will look what would 
what would that look like for you? Oh my gosh. I have all day to just be like, doing spells or something? Oh yeah. Whole day. You have nothing on your calendar, but creating magic. <laughs> wow. That's a big question. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think if I had like a decommodify food spell, that would be a good starting place for me. <laughs> um, decommodify food, make sure that, yeah, that how much capital and, and money people have isn't a barrier to their access to food. That's a big one. Probably mm-hmm. a pretty long spell. Um, I don't know. Yeah, like I guess I always hear these crazy, scary statistics about how how reliant Vancouver Island is on uh, imported food and how many days we would last if we got cut off. And I don't like thinking about those too much. So maybe another one to um, you like hugely amp up local food production. I think that's a beautiful way to use your magic wand for a day. It's perfect. <laughs> Great. Well, I guess that's the end of our episode today. Do you have anything else that you want to say before we wrap up? Um, no, I don't think so. Thank you so much for this conversation. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I love having these conversations. I find that I always leave them feeling so inspired <laughs> and motivated. And I feel like I'm learning so much through these episodes. So thank you so much. Yeah. Well, I guess I will chat with you soon. Cool. Bye. so much for listening to this week's episode of sprouting conversations if you liked what you heard please like subscribe and share it with a friend if you think they would be interested too